All right. Well, we've been in a series for some time called By Grace Through Faith, and I believe we're getting close to being, uh, to wrapping this up. You know, you don't, like someone said, you don't exhaust a subject um, or an area, but, uh, you know, you just unhook for a while. We cover what we believe we need to cover, touch on those things, maybe from different angles, cut different parts, and, and uh, it's the Spirit of God ministering to us, and, you know, we don't, we need to hear things more than once. Amen. Uh, so that it impacts our heart. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll repeat certain things, uh, even within a service, it's not because I think you're dull. <laughs> there are certain things we need to hear. And the Spirit of God is emphasizing certain things, and He will. He knows how to teach us. He knows how to bring us up. And uh, we don't get everything the first time. You know, there's things that, I mean, I've seen, I, sometimes I, I was just, um, you know, I have notes from the whole time I've been preaching and, and before I was ever a pastor, you know, I'd speak from time to time and I have notes and here, you know, I'll be using certain verses and have notes about those things, what I was going to preach and I'm like, I'm looking at it and I know I wrote this how many years ago, but I'm looking at it going, my understanding is so much different now, but I look at my words and it's like I'm writing those words, but I know for a fact I didn't understand them the way I read them now. You know, it's different. Because we keep, we keep, we should be, we keep growing and we keep coming up and, and getting closer to God and walking more in His things and understand we should be different today than we were five years. And we're going to be different in five, if Jesus doesn't come back, you know, he's not here in five years. Uh, we're going to be different then than we are now. And we should be higher. We should be further. I don't expect to go backwards. Do you expect to go backwards? No. Do we say, you know, in five years, man, I'd be bottoming out in five years. Oh. <laughs> you wouldn't want to say that. That'd be really bad. Now, we want to keep going up with him, growing in the things of God. So he is bringing us up, I believe, as a church, each one of us through His Word, through His Spirit. And uh, so anyway, we, we'll, uh, we'll cover what we need to cover. We'll unhook when we need to unhook from this, this uh, subject in these areas, and then we'll, we'll uh, move on. But this morning, um, let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. Let's read this. This has been the main text we've used, and then we're going to go on. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 1. It says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him, in them. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's uh, what we've been focusing on in different aspects, different uh, angles. 
of that. It's by grace that we have been saved. It's by His grace. In other words, you couldn't do what He did. You can't save yourself. But it's through faith that you were saved. In other words, God made it available by His grace, but you receive it through faith. So God made salvation available. He made whatever He offers, it's available by His grace. But that doesn't mean we automatically receive it. We have to believe something to receive it. And we can't just believe something that He hasn't provided by His grace. In other words, you can, people believe all kinds of things in this world. That doesn't make it true, and it doesn't make it available. You know, you could believe you're going to inherit you know, $10 billion tomorrow and believe it with all your heart, but if the $10 billion isn't there, it's not going to appear. Same time, you could have $10 billion that's waiting for you, and if you don't believe it and don't go receive it, you won't have it. So it's the same thing. So there's both of these areas, and that's what we've been talking about um, in different aspects. And um, I encourage you, if you didn't hear the messages, go back and listen to them. Go back and look uh, or listen to those messages because they'll help you. We, we've, we've covered just different parts of this. And this is so important because some people have the idea if it's God's will, it'll just fall on us. It'll just happen. And then some people are just, they believe the error that everything is God's will. So, everything that happens is what the will of God is. Because it happened. That's just not true. You know, they'll pray and they'll say, well, God, such and such, and then they'll, they'll believe whatever happens was God's answer. That's not true. You can have a will for your children. You, I mean, I don't mean a literal legal will. I'm saying you could have, you could want certain things for your children. But if you just said, well, whatever happens is what I wanted, that's not true. They could listen to you. They could rebel. They could, you could give them advice on something and really want something, and they could do the complete opposite. And then if that happens, you say, well, this is your will. No, that's not true. Well, it's the same thing with God in this earth. People say, well, God's in control. Everything's up to Him. That's not true. Just look around. Look at all the nonsense that's going on. Look at, all, look at the, the hurt that's in the world. To say he is in control and he does everything means he is responsible for all the murder and the death and the disease and everything. That's not true. There is an enemy. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the devil. He's the author of sickness. Now, he's really uh, keen on blaming it on God. And so there's religious doctrines. Whole parts of Christianity believe God's responsible for all the negative. You don't even need a devil if you believe God does all these things. And some people don't believe there is one. And that's really convenient for him. If you're a con, if you're a, a criminal, you don't mind if people don't think you exist because that, that means you can operate freely. Right? You can steal people blind and it's not you because you're not here. And that's what's going on. There's no devil. That's a figment of, you know, some religious-minded people's uh, imagination. Okay. Then he can sow his lies and deceit and claim it's God. If people, well, they'll believe a God, they won't believe a devil or, or whatever. Or there's no God, there's no devil. People believe that. Well, same thing. So there is salvation to be received, but it just doesn't get pushed down on us. Jesus has died. Jesus has provided everything we need 
But we got to believe something. See, it's there. It's provided by grace, but we got to receive it by faith. That's the conduit. That's the, the, the path on how we receive. It's not all up to God. It's not all up to us. He did the heavy lifting. He, re, he provided it, but we got to believe something. And so that's what we've been uh, covering in different areas, talking about how faith works in some of these areas. And, and uh, this morning... Let's turn over to Romans 4, verse 13. Romans 4, verse 13. God is good, and He is real. And even though you don't understand everything, if you could see it from God's perspective, it would be perfectly logical. Everything... If you, you know, people, humans, the Bible says we look through as through a, a glass darkly. We don't see clearly. But there's no mystery to God. Things that we think, oh, why did that happen? People shake their fist at God and say, why did, why did you let this happen? And they don't understand certain things. And I don't claim to know everything. None of us know everything. But God does. And if you were to see like he sees, you'd say, oh, of course. Well, yeah, A plus B equals C. Of course. That's exactly what should have happened. But Satan takes advantage of our ignorance and will tell you, even though he flat knows the truth. He'll say, he'll whisper certain things that he knows are lies and knows the truth and because he knows what to push on. But it, it's just so important to trust him, trust God. If we'll trust him, even when you don't know, even when you don't understand, just know He knows. And if you were to see like He sees, it would be infinitely logical. What seems like just, we have to trust Him, and you have to be in faith. You have to trust that His Word's true. But if you were to see like He sees, you would see there's no hand-wavy about it. He is dead on right, and what He's telling you to do and what He's told you to do in His Word is precisely what you need to do. Exactly. And it would be completely clear if you could see how he sees. There is no, well, that doesn't make any sense. doesn't make sense to us because we don't see as he sees. Have you ever tried to explain something to, you know, three, four, five, six-year-old, and you're trying, and they're like, yeah, but, and they're asking a question, and you can't explain to them what they're asking because they don't have the tools to figure it out, to understand it. They're asking something here, and they don't understand all these levels. So how are you going to explain it to them? They might say it doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense because you don't understand. But to an adult, you could explain it to them in one minute and they would know exactly what you're talking about. God is good. He is a, a faithful God. Verse 13, Romans 4, 13 says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For those who are of the law are heirs. Faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, the promise. So let's go back to verse 13 so you understand what we're saying in, in 16. 
It says, For the promise that he would be heir of the world, Abraham, was not, to, was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So he's saying, see, Abraham was promised he would have offspring, and it wasn't to him based on the law or based on what, because, you know, the, the Mosaic law wasn't in, in place at this point anyway, so it's not referring to that, just saying it wasn't to him according to the law, according to what you do, but through the righteousness of faith, and it was according to what you believe. Verse 14, For if those who are of the law are heirs, in other words, of only those people at, that earn it, in, as far as we're concerned, if, if only the people that earn it are heirs, then faith is made void and the promise of no effect. In other words, the promise was to those who would believe, not to those who would earn something. Verse 15, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So verse 16, it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 16 in the New Living Translation says, So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether we or not we are living according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all those who believe. You see, it says, the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. So what God promised to Abraham and what we are promised, it is not based on something you earn, it's based on faith, it's based on believing something, and it's given as a free gift. In the Passion Translation, it says, The promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. And now it extends to all the descendants of Abraham. This promise is not meant only for those who obey the law, but also to those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. Now this is saying... <coughs> the descendants of Abraham. Did you know, as a Christian, you are a descendant of Abraham? Look at, real quick, I just want to put this up, uh, Galatians 3, verse 26. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, you are Abraham's seed or offspring and heirs according to the promise. So we, because we believe in Christ, we're heirs of Abraham. We are our offspring of Abraham. I just wanted to throw that in because all these other verses that we're, we're covering here, they, they, they apply to us. But if you can go back to um, verse 16, Romans 4, 16 in the Passion Translation. It says, The promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. Now we're talking about that... Uh, receiving or, or, or that salvation and everything else from God is received by faith or through faith, but it's by grace. And this is saying the promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. 
See, it's what God promised and what He has provided through His grace. It's just received by faith. It's not received by your uh, ability. It's not received by what you do. It's not received by how smart you are. It's not received by your connections. God has provided for us good things through Jesus, and the way you, you receive them is just by believing on Him. It's His ability that gets it done, not your ability. It's His ability. Romans 5, 17 says, For by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, or if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. It says those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, receive it. Not earn it, receive it. See, what we, we, when we're living this Christian life, we need to be conscious of the fact that it's His ability that's going to bring to pass His will for our life, not ours. That doesn't mean we don't have a part to play, but what we have to emphasize in our minds and in our hearts is that it's His ability, not our ability. Because if you believe it's your ability that's going to get it done, you're operating just like people that don't believe in God. In other words, you believe it's all up to you. you got to cover now, we're not talking about abdicating our responsibility. We have responsibilities in life. God has given us uh, instruction on how to live this life. But there is a line that we have to be sure that we get straight in our minds and in our hearts that we are not going to fulfill the plan of God for our life based on our power and our strength and even our faith, it's going to be by His grace through believing that He is going to help us. That's where our faith needs to be. That is faith. It's, it's receiving and believing what He's done and what He's going to do. And when He gives us something to do, it's believing that He will help us to do it, not that we're going to get it done. There's a difference. See, people, you can, just in the natural, you can have a certain amount of natural faith in your ability. Well, I can get it done. Well, you realize your ability can fail. Well, I can sell something to anybody. Well, that can fail. I can figure out any problem. I'm brilliant at math or whatever. Well, number one, Bible says pride comes before a fall. You may be brilliant, and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging what, what, where you're at. See, Pete, there's a misnomer that people have that somehow... Uh, telling it like it is, if, if somebody were to ask you, are you good at so-and-so, and, -so? and if, you, if the answer is yes, some people write that off immediately, that you're in pride. Yes, I have the ability to do such. Yes, I'm good at something. That's not necessarily pride. You, you saying what the truth is is actually humility. There are some times when if somebody asked you, are you able to do such-and-such, -such? are you good at it, it actually would be easier for you to dodge it and say, nah, nah, I'm not so good. And in actuality, that could be a lie because you are good at it. And it would be more humble and more hard on your pride actually to say, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I can do that. Well, who do you think you are? I'm, 
I don't think I'm anybody, but you asked a question, yes, I can do the job. When you're interviewing for a job, you're not putting everything down. You're, you're, you're saying what you can do, right? Well, we're not talking about boasting. We're talking about being honest. If somebody wants to know if you can do a job or not, they don't need you to be, have false humility and say, well, no, I can't do it. Okay, well, I'll get somebody else. Well, no, no, I mean, I can do it. I was just trying to be, trying not to put myself up, you know. Well, just give me a straight answer. But you, we need to understand that even though you have a certain amount of ability, you don't trust in that ability. As a Christian, we are, our trust and our reliance needs to be on Him, no matter how much natural ability we have, no matter what our connections are, no matter what our finances are. We cannot trust in any of that. We have to lay all that down before Him and say, Lord, here's what I have, here's what I am, you know not my will, but your will be done. You tell me what to do, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it in your strength and your help. If we believe it's all up to us, then what happens when you bump up against the limits of your ability? Game over. You're done. Somebody else is better, faster, stronger. You just can't get it done. But that is not what the Bible teaches. It's not self-reliance. It's reliance in the Lord. Again, this doesn't mean you just need a crutch and you just can't do anything. No, you do what God tells you to do, but that's not where your trust ends. You'll use the abilities, but you don't trust in them. Do you see the difference? There's a line that people say, well, no, the natural mind will just put all their reliance on themselves. And if you're not good enough, somebody's better. That's it. They're better. But if we're serving Him, then we're getting His job done and we're not limited by what we have in the natural. We are only limited by what He would help us with. Let's look at a few uh, verses in Psalms. You believe God, you believe with me, right? We prayed beforehand, God's helping us right now. We're going to get out what we need to get out. Psalm 20, verse 6, you don't have to turn to all these, they'll put them up on the screen. Psalm 20, verse 6 says, Now I know that the Lord saves His anointed. He will answer Him from His holy heaven while with the saving strength of His right hand. Psalm 33, 16 says, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A, a horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him or reverence Him, on those who hope or expect in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you." See, there is humility in knowing that there is a God and we need Him daily. When we're talking about by grace through faith, that it is by His grace, without His grace, it is not, I'm not going to get done what He would have me to do. I need to rely on that. I'm going to believe that His help's available. I need to trust something. I need to trust Him. 
See, you can look at your situation and go, there's no way because you're looking at you. Well, then your faith isn't quickened, which means even though he has a way to get it done, you're not going to get it done because you won't believe. But then we can believe that he is able to get it done, even though you look at your situation and go, there's no way. I don't know how to do it. And it could just be your day. Anybody ever had a day where you look and go, I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. I don't know. I mean, I look at it. There's no way I'm getting all this done. If it's something that you need to get done for the Lord, He will help you. You can look at it. You can make your plan. How many of you know you can plan your day and that last, can last like about seven minutes? You know, how many times does that happen? You start planning it. You got your to-do list. You start going to write an email and then something else comes in and just blew everything up. We need to trust him. You don't know the future, but he does. What? How can I do? Lord, I'm just trusting you that I'm going to get done what I need to get done, and I'm going to cast the rest of the care onto you, whatever I don't need to get. Show me the difference. I pray this. Show me what I need to do. Give me the wisdom to do what I need to get done and to leave the rest. Show me what I don't need to do. Because cutting out the stuff that you don't need to do is half the battle. That frees you up to do the stuff you do need to do. But as we're doing that, it's humility to go, God, I don't know what to do. You can say, well, in a natural, but I can, I can handle this. Yeah, but you don't know the future. You don't know what's going to come. God can show you and to, that you'll be ready for something that's coming when you didn't know it was coming because already, he's already prompted you to take care of something because you're relying on him. You're looking and going, I got this and this to do, but it really seems like I should do this. And you get that done and then something shows up that you didn't know was coming and you're ready. See, there's a trust. Our life in Him should be living based in His ability, not ours, trusting in Him. Look at Psalm 44, verse 1. You just, again, they'll put these up on the screen. <clears throat> we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, the days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, the light of your countenance, because you favored them. They're talking about the Israelites going in and taking the promised land. It, it wasn't because they were so strong. Look at was it they gained possession not because of their own sword, not because their own arm, their own strength is so great. It was your right hand, your arm, the light of your countenance because you favored them. God will make a way to get done his purposes. Amen. All the time. If we'll look to him. And we, but you need to walk. You're walking in, in this world, walking in this realm to trust Him and to say, Lord, it's your strength, your ability that's going to get it done. That doesn't mean, again, that we sit back in our, our chair and say, well, it's all up to you, God. See, that would be no faith. Even though He's provided it, that would be like, well, God, it's all up to you. I don't have to do anything. It's all up to you. I'm just believing Jesus. You're not believing anything because you're not acting. Belief will get going. You're going to act on something. 
But if you think it's, it's me, I'm going to take this, I'm going over it, that's, that's believing you don't need him. And that's going to end poorly. Isaiah 40, verse 29 says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Notice it says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. For the long haul, not for the next three years, for your life. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We, if we are trusting Him, then we're not going to wear out before our time. We're not going to wear out before we get the job done. If you try to do it in your own strength, then you're not trusting. You're going to wear, you're going to do things you don't need to do, which means you can get overloaded, which means you can get burnt out, which means it looks like you're doing awesome, but you hit a brick wall and everything falls apart. Anybody ever seen this? Putting aside things that, ah, that's important, but not today. Because it seems like you have all the time in the world to do it. Not today, not today, not today. This is important. This is the deadline that needs to get done. I can do it. I can do anything. Not looking at Him, the Lord. But when stuff explodes, sometimes it's a big explosion. When we run and we're not, we're not looking to Him, we're trying to do it ourselves, we're not trusting Him, stuff can start falling apart. Now, he can help put things back together, but isn't there a better way not to get there in the first place? Just to, just to trust him as we're walking through. Right today, today, every one of us is dealing with certain things that if we'll look to him and realize it's not up to our own ability, he's going to use our ability, but he's not limited by it. Right now. You probably have certain things in, in your, uh, going on in your life. You know, maybe not, not saying there's a catastrophe or anything, uh, you know, an emergency. But there's things that whatever you're facing, whatever we're facing in life, God knows exactly what to do, how to help, what things need to be done. He knows the things that don't need to be done. He needs, so you could think, oh my gosh, we have to do all this in order for this result. And he knows, actually, you need to do about 30% of that because the rest of it's going to be wasted and you're only going to find that out at the end. He can give you wisdom to do this part, spend that rest of the time on something else, and then stuff, when the smoke clears, stuff drops, drops, drops. You didn't need all that stuff. It would have been complete completely wasted effort. That would have been energy you spent, time you spent, resources you spent, and it was completely unnecessary and in fact a waste. It won't, it won't help anybody because you, it, it was going toward this project. There's no way to get it back, but God will help us. 2 Corinthians 10 verse uh, four says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now this is talking about specifically thoughts in our minds, but the part that I wanted to focus on is saying the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means natural. 
What, and you don't have to think of literally fighting, although we all are in a fight. There is a, a spiritual realm. But the weapons, how we operate is not just natural, it's spiritual. We need to understand that as we're walking through this life, it's not, if we're a Christian, we need to understand there's much more going on than just what we see. We need to understand that God will help us with the seemingly natural things, but there is a spiritual realm behind what we're seeing. And He can help us to go forward and to get done what He would have to get done when it looks like we need to be, we need to be conscious of the fact there's more than natural. There is more than just the things we see. If we are not conscious of that as Christians, we're going to miss so much. We're, going to real, we're not going to realize that certain things that are happening, there's spiritual stuff going on behind, and that certain help we need, we actually need spiritual help. We need more than just walking through this realm in the natural. There's a, a point in the Old Testament, you don't, you don't have to turn here, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 7. I just want to read you that the enemy had surrounded the Lord's people. And so Hezekiah is speaking to His people, and he says, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. Well, that's not true in the natural. They were outgunned. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. God, to help us, and to fight our battles, and the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. See, he said, with us is more than with, with them. And he is looking beyond what they, if you looked in the natural, they're going to get destroyed. They are outgunned. But he said, with him is the arm of flesh. With him is just what you can see. They may look like they have more military might. But he said, with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. With us is something we can't see, someone we can't see, the Lord. And He will help us. And this is the attitude we, we need to have when we're going through life. You see this over and over throughout the Word. David, we know that if, if you know the... the um, account of David and Goliath. We talk about his faith so many times that he had faith to go and, and to come against that giant. But if, if he wasn't able to do what, if he didn't have the grace of God to take that slingshot and take the giant out with one rock, I mean, he might have been good, but he, it was perfect. He believed God would help him do something. But God's grace picked up and actually enabled him to do it because David believed he could do it. And he believed God would help him. Don't even, David wasn't confident in himself that he was just such a good shot. He was confident that, this, that he himself, as short as he was, is going to take out this 10-foot giant. 
Now, he believed something. His faith was strong, but it wasn't faith in him. Do you see the difference? Yeah, and he believed God, but believed God what? He believed God was going to help him. His faith was so strong and his trust was so strong that God, who had helped him before, is going to help him again. That's what he believed. And he believes it so strongly, he is telling all the soldiers on his squad what, that he's going in and he's going to fight the champion and he goes out there in the middle. I mean, if this doesn't work out, he's dead. And there's nobody that wants to fight this dude. This isn't like idle talk. This isn't just he's talking smack. No, he was talking smack, but then he went and backed it up. He's going onto the battlefield with a guy that's almost twice as, I mean, literally twice his height, but how much heavier than he is. This is a monster. And if he doesn't truly believe God's going to do something, he's finished. I don't care how good of a slingshot handler he is. That's not where his confidence was. You can see it clearly because the Psalms over and over, he's saying, God is my strength. He doesn't believe he's just so good with his equipment that he's going to take him out. He believes God, but he believes God will help him. He believes the grace of God is sufficient for him to do what, what God would have him to do. And he believed somebody needs to stand up Somebody needs to take this guy out. And so he stepped out and God helped him. And that's the same way it is. When we go, we need to believe we are working with him. You may have abilities, you may have skills, but when you're stepping into a business situation, when you're stepping into a family situation, a medical situation, you're not looking at the natural ability. Yes, you have natural ability, but it's not what your trust is in. You believe there's something more that's going to help you. And that is what's going to enable us to actually connect with our future with God. Because if we look and go, there's no way, even though he supplied it, our faith is reaching out and taking it, but it's reaching out and taking what? His grace. His help. The Bible says to, to, to receive grace to help in time of need. That's his help. That's what we need. And we don't just need it when... You know, the fate of a nation is, you know, in the balance. Like David, we need it daily. We need it daily. We need to realize, I need your help. If I'm going to do this day the way you would have me to do it, I mean, I can go through the day. I can run, you know, through the day. Have you ever been through a day, though, and it just flat wore you out? You got to, and you're like, nothing went right that day. Well, we weren't completely flowing in the grace of God then. That's not to beat us up. That's just to say, hey, we can come up. We can start realizing that God's help is available in the mundane. Just day to day that he will help us. That as we come up to a situation, and if it is something that's big, some meeting at work or whatever, we can believe, God, I know the people. I know the situation. I know what this looks like in the natural, but I'm also believing you're going to give me favor. You're going to help me. You're going to show me. And trust in that grace and trust in that help. Trust in His ability, not our ability. 
The Bible says, Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not strong in your own strength. Not strong in the arm of the flesh. Not strong in your education. Not strong. Those things are fine, but that's not where we're strong. We're strong in the Lord and the power of His might. See, this, our, our, our power is limited. His power is unlimited. So if we tap into that, we are, at, we are already infinitely further than anything we could do. He will help us. Praise God. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet?